0: Welcome back to another Hunt Lore podcast. My name is David Heppner and today I am talking with Josh Harwood. He's a new bow hunter here in Manitoba and we just kind of go over his journey on his way to becoming a bow hunter. He's yet to take his first year with a bow but he has been out hunting a number of years and he just kind of goes over the details of that <laughs> you guys are going to want to listen to some of the stories
1: they're pretty good okay where do I even go to shoot a deer I've got a tag and a gun now yeah, like nice. what do I do next and he's like just meet me at this fire road okay I've only got a car he's like you'll be fine
0: my name is David Hepner, and this is the Hunt Podcast. Where we will spark our imaginations and pay tribute to the time honored tradition of hunting by sharing our stories of the hunt. Hunt lore is brought to you by Black Bear Wear, bear hunting apparel for bear hunters and everyone else. Get it, wear it, share it.
1: All right, I'm here with Josh Harwood. Nice to be here, yeah. I'm Josh Harwood, and
0: glad to be here. Yeah, you're on the Huntler podcast. So I guess we got to go back into kind of how we met here. It seems like how most people meet these days is online.
1: Social media yeah. messaged you about fishing, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's right. If you could make a... I think I wanted a bass video back then, something, or just go out bass fishing. And then, yeah, just kept in contact over the years. And you were one of the few guys that i had seen posting stuff about archery and whatnot. That's cool. So then started shooting questions your way about archery. I'm always happy to answer questions when it comes to bow hunting and archery stuff.
0: So... That was pretty neat to see you getting into the the whole game there, because when I saw you guys with your fishing content, it was like, wow, there's some hardcore anglers out there. And I was just kind of getting into it myself. You know, like I'd been into fishing for, I would say like almost my whole life, just not hardcore. Like you guys were taking it to a next level. Seems right. like there's a group of you guys, eh?
1: Yeah. Therefore, it's for a big chunk, there'd be like-minded dudes about well, there's a handful of guys that like taking it to, well, at a point there, it was all the Manitoba, I think, was chasing the master angler oh, thing huge. and it was starting to that they were tracking it and actively tracking it. It seemed like, well, this is fun to pursue, but yeah, kind of seems like it went to a gong show later on and, and everybody <laughs> yeah. started fading and like Whoa. all the online forms that just got really yeah. gong show-ish it went dead. and yeah. Yeah. So for people that don't know, here in Manitoba, we
0: have a program called the Master Angler Program. So it's basically the Pope and Young record book for fishing here. So if you catch a northern pike, it's 41 inches. It makes the book,
1: makes the Master Angler Book or record uh, program. And you actually got a piece of metal in the mail. Yes. Certificate. (laughs) Yeah. So I've got my hat with all my pins. That's Onto it.
0: And there was something to work towards, right? There were goals.
1: Collect all the species, which is the main thing. To get your diamond badge, which yeah. is all 32 Manitoba species yeah. or whatever.
0: I know people are probably wondering, what does this have to do with bow hunting? But really it does this is how we met. So that kind of lays the foundation for it. And basically when somebody like yourself was like pursuing those goals pretty heavy, and then you started messaging me about bow hunting and archery, and then it just went really quick after that. You're talking you're mentioning Jeff Sturgis who's like really well-known in the whitetail woods with habitat management. He's like, wow, this guy's really taken it to the next level. You know, you're really knowing your stuff. You're actually researching it, applying, uh, I guess, the
1: techniques
0: on your own property.
1: Yeah, trying to, I guess, just heighten the chances of having the best opportunity locally instead of having, because hunting to start out has always been least hour two hour drive minimum and then this being a bow only zone the new property it's so kinda... yeah
0: you got to tell people what happened there like you ended up buying
1: pr- basically your dream property yeah dream property at 30 of 80 acres with a creek running through it for my fishing and shit. hopefully yeah. eventually put in a pond like yeah. a bass pond or something that's awesome also a wildlife like just add to the wildlife diversity and then just lots of wildlife work instead of hacking up the forest and just doing it willy-nilly
0: yeah you're doing it with a purpose right with
1: every little modification to the land hopefully to increase wildlife exactly
0: yeah and uh, it already seems like you're being like somewhat selective with what you're going to want to take on the property like it seems like you already have goals like management goals too so that's pretty pretty much
1: with the deer like it might be slack at the start i've already thought about like would I take a big buck first year just for first animal harvested right in the yard or really see what I could do? Or even just another aspect of can I keep a mature buck around for a season or two? That'll be another question. If I let him live, will he still be around next season? Yeah, That's always, you know, that's
0: the thing, eh? It's, I have another buddy there, Ryan Taves. He's a good, uh, you should probably talk to him man. that guy's into traditional hunting like he's went now he's shooting a compound but he shot trad for years and years and i think you actually might go back to that um and he was just talking about too, just passing up bucks because in his group of guys that he hunts with he's the guy that passes up everything because he always wants to see them grow
1: yeah you want to see what they turn into instead of yeah it looks nice now but what yeah. could that be is more the and i think that's where the whole fishing kind of intertwines with it is yeah. the catch and release kind of aspect where you can seeing someone catch a 42 inch bike that you released like a week earlier and their face light up if you could yeah. the, that's kind of how i see the that's big pretty bucks. satisfying if you could grow a big buck and know he's around yeah. for buddy to come shoot that would be pretty deadly oh, that would be awesome Or I think our end goal is someday turn this into like a hunting lodge or like guest cabin and then guide out of here. Yeah, you could do Either do fishing for the day or if like the weather's shitty for deer or whatever they come down for. So if the deer woods are shitty, I could take them out for fishing. Or if there's bird hunts, there's rabbit hunts, there's all kinds of hunts around. See, that's the
0: thing that's, I just had this conversation with a coworker about this and he mentioned something like that because there's people in the city like the big uh yeah the big city of winnipeg i guess but you know just all throughout north america that they're disconnected with the outdoors they have no idea so even if you take them in the back you show them some deer sign you show them okay this is a buck rub this is a scrape this is a bedding area you see some deer you know like they don't even have to shoot anything and then you can
1: just like a nature conservatory a nat- almost yeah that really don't even have to have hunters out. yeah
0: you don't even have to have hunters you're saving the resource um in that way you're getting people kind of in tune with nature you can expose them to hunting still yeah and show that
1: it's a positive thing yeah. give them some jerky or whatever right because yeah. <laughs> everyone yeah, eats i think a, yeah. i think that's more so like like you were talking with my one neighbor who's crazy about nature and whatnot i've got a neighbor to the north that's just crazy about her wildlife and whatnot but it's like if only she knew the hunter to the south not only hunts but also is trying to turn his whole 80 acres into like a wildlife paradise maybe she'd have a bit of a different view and there's a fly right there
0: (laughs) i just heard that in the yeah heard that in the mic that was funny (laughs) But yeah exactly people don't necessarily understand that about hunters uh, especially the way that you're doing it I think the way that I've done it but now you being a landowner uh, and how you're managing and planning to manage I think it it's...
1: conservation's always been a big part of it because yeah. like starting out just recently mm-hmm. and hearing about like there's only like 6500 elk in Manitoba to even go for yeah. which is still a huge improvement on a hundred years ago yeah. but if it wasn't for hunters probably wouldn't be any
0: people just don't care they Uh. don't if there's no value and this has been said over the internet like crazy if there's no value to an animal they just get pushed to the wayside that's really what it is hunters as hunters we actually value the resource we're willing to put buy licenses which goes back into the resources here in manitoba and then uh as well we're supporting the economy now we're going off on a tangent with that but really that's what it is right we are Invested in this and wanting to see the animals, or somebody who's all about preservation,
1: yeah. like your neighbor, is doing very little to preserve the land. Exactly. Where are the hunter that she's against is mm-hmm. actually doing something for yeah. the land. Yeah,
0: you're preserving. Not you're not preserving, but you're conserving
1: and ma- making improvements on. The and habitat. even just tags, like the basic, yeah. right yeah. back down to the basic. Exactly. At least the hunters or the fishermen are yeah. at least contributing yeah. to Manitoba yeah. wildlife. Exactly. Where your anti-hunter is doing nothing for the animals.
0: At their best, they're probably donating to PETA, and who knows what PETA does. Yeah, exactly. I doubt very
1: little. Yeah. Just to, to help our animals. Yeah. Especially
0: locally. Exactly. Exactly that. So, well, that was pretty good there. Uh, well, let's go off into kind of like how you started hunting. Like, how were you introduced to hunting? Like, were you introduced
1: to it at a very young age? or well, I what? guess growing up, my dad always went away to deer camp. But wasn't very close with him, that was always just something he did. then you know what that actually seems common back in that age group,
0: yeah, like they my, just
1: went with the boys with just
0: the boys. my uh wife's father did the same thing. It was just him and the boys going out hunting yeah. that was that was it. you know, none like, of the
1: younger generation nope. brought along yeah. to camp. It was just that group that yeah. chipped in for camp. It yeah. was like their thing. And that might be different in Manitoba than
0: what it was in the States. I think the States, they had a little bit more, maybe family ties to deer hunting camp, but here in Manitoba, it really seems like it's always just the older guys, like the
1: boys going out. Yeah. And just select few. I yeah. think my dad wasn't originally from Toba. Yeah. So it was just his select group of guys that yeah. were into that. And yeah. it seems like that was their thing. That's right. I don't think I ever saw those friends yeah. outside of hunting. And then as I got older uh wasn't then it was all partying and shit and then eventually i was like well this is just a big waste of money and that's when i found fishing and then through fishing and just just to
0: go back to a conversation we had earlier about the deer meat
1: when you were a kid you ate this you ate the deer meat that your dad brought home what did you think of it just disgusting and it was always just like thrown in a fly, frying pan like a slit like a thick slab with salt and pepper and I just remember it being like overcooked and gamey as fuck, and <laughs> <Yeah>. like a <laughs> chunk of rubber and yeah. just like why yeah. are you excited about this and then yeah when I finally so I got into fishing at like 25 and then just being outdoors and everybody that's in fishing pretty much is like an avid outdoorsman or at least knows a different avid outdoorsman so i think it was like a bird hunter would be with like one fishing buddy one weekend then the next weekend he's got like a big bear hunter with him. then the next weekend and it's just like they're not really fishermen but they enjoy the outdoors so they come with another buddy fishing and then it's just like that's you're all like-minded people so then you end up linking up exactly you're
0: exposed to other avenues in the outdoors kind of like I know Meat Eater, they talked about this at one episode that I listened to. They said that uh, all hunters were fishermen for the most part. And then all trappers had hunted and fished. And that's kind of yeah. true. It seems that's kind of consistent. So yeah, you're running into these guys fishing. And yeah. Now you're exposed
1: to that and the other avenues. And then it's like, well, what? some days you can't get out on the water. So might as well try They're saying this is the next best thing, and then, like, it ties into later on, I'd compare, like, muskie fishing to deer hunting, but that's further down the road once I was more into hunting and whatnot. But it was more so being slightly introduced through fishing. I think I went on a couple bird hunts with Mm -hmm. Buddy's dad and him, like, just out in a field just for the experience. So by birds, you mean Canada geese? Yeah, geese and whatever f- ducks flew off the pond or whatever was yeah. around that day were you guys using decoys yeah. at all or we were just ditch shooting with oh, his dad shooting. Yeah. yeah so that was into that avenue and then for deer hunting i remember my first season i had just got a rifle when and picked up a 30 odd six because that's just talking to other old timers oh, around yeah. site and stuff they're yeah. all like of course it was big arguments and stuff all over the job site about um what rifle to start with and whatnot so I got my 30 odd six messaged my co-worker being like okay where do I even go to shoot a deer I've got a tag and a gun now yeah, like nice. what do I, I do love next it. love it and that- he's like just meet me at this fire road okay I've only got a car he's like you'll be fine. So I get to this freaking spot <laughs> that's in the morning. A, that's There's hilarious. like probably like 16 inches of snow. It's a manual. It's got no cell service. So I just freaking give it down yeah, this freaking yeah. like mud road into yeah. this field. I love He's it. still not there. So I'm like, I guess I just go for a walk. So I'm just walking around this field to get back to the car, drive back out to where I finally get service. It's like half day my first hunting experience. I'm just... Yeah, this is where buddy told me to go and where to walk around (laughs) get back to the car i'm like are you he's like "Ah, i was on my way there i spotted one walked in shot it i'm at home butchering it already no way we'll try again next weekend (laughs) (laughs) so then i met him on a different fire road the next weekend and like that was pretty much my whole first season i just remember getting spots from buddy where i was allowed to shoot if i saw something and then just yeah. going off and hiking so you yeah. didn't know anything about like land ownership maps or anything i like think I, I bought the like rm yeah. paper map for, map yeah. from canada map sales which just shows pretty much the entire chunk yeah. for as far as the, i can see is crown bush it's exactly. like okay i parked in the middle of this that's all i need the map for <laughs> i guess i walk till i see a deer and then that first season I remember finding a couple tree stands and then just being like holy there's a lot of road hunters on these fire roads oh yeah (laughs) big time
0: no I love it and I'm not I'm laughing because that's so like pure and raw like that is I remember like one of my first deer hunting experiences with my old man and my brother in BC we're just like walking down uh, clear cut and logging roads out there deer tracks everywhere I had no idea that's where the deer fed at at night so we're like there's a lot of tracks here so let's just walk here let's And we're in the middle of the day, like nothing's coming out there. Like that's an evening spot, you know, walking through the middle of a wide open field. Yeah, Yeah. we had no idea.
1: Yeah, one could pop out at any time, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you have no. Meanwhile, I just drove my car in there and probably was walking like right beside my car, like as if they've seen a car driving through the fields in the middle of winter. And that's yeah, just for people
0: who are from the States, crown land is public land. No. that's what we call it out here but yeah that's just so awesome because I'm sure like I can relate to that story just being not necessarily a guy telling me where to go although like when I first went out bear hunting I just followed like he told me where to go he came actually came out with me helped me bait up and so I kind of just used his baiting uh technique and uh that's kind of how I did it. And then he was like, hey, good luck, you know, and then it was, yeah, at least he actually came out yeah. with me, right? But he <laughs> yeah. ended up
1: coming out the next year and showing me a couple different areas yeah. and stuff. But the first three seasons or four, it was the fourth season when my dad took one in front of me. Yeah. First three seasons were just stumbling around Crownland, looking for sign, looking for deer. I don't think, no, I didn't see a single animal with a rifle in my hand for the no. first three years. And how many days a year would you hunt? Uh, That first year, I probably went out. I'd go out like the Saturday and Sunday. And I think rifle season back then was only like 10 days. Okay, so you'd get like two weekends. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that was it. It's
0: it's really not a lot of time in the grand scheme of things now that you're getting more into it. Yeah. You're probably realizing like...
1: That's how another reason I went to the archery too was because especially for the in-laws... Well, before that, even, it was there's not enough time and it's freaking deep ass snow. And <laughs> yeah. I'm going away like three yeah. hours north to even see wildlife at that time because yeah. I thought it was just, well, those zones are really freaking the closer you are to the city, the more pressure you're seeing. And yeah. especially opening weekend rifle season in Toba, if you're anywhere within 200 kilometers of the city, there's going to be trucks rolling down those roads. There can be
0: there can be but you know in those zones guys have actually learned the hardcore guys right and i'd say that you're pretty much hardcore you're like on that path like i can see it just walking the property today how you been we were shooting bows earlier today and for like, josh had the spring on his trigger and i asked like what's up with the spring he's like well so i don't so it's basically like a Bill Winky trigger where Bill Winky looked to have that spring in his trigger and like an old Scott release <laughs> and just slowly press it. And it's like, so you wouldn't have target pan. Well, I guess you could sell but punching the trigger. It works. was
1: originally from a target panic video. Yeah. And so, then just modified.
0: Yeah. It's like, wow. So this guy is applying things and that's like guys who are into bow hunting. Like I guess I am and other people like my buddies, um, you kind of look for little things like this because there's a lot of people Up that... your game. Yeah, but in other people, I'm saying too, because there's a lot of people at, at work or just that I meet that, you know, want me to take them out or whatever. And it's like, well, how serious are you about this, you know? But then when you see a guy like yourself who's taking this really seriously, it's easy to latch on and to be like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this
1: guy couple pointers a couple or at pointers least point or... them in the right direction exactly. instead of just.
0: Exactly. So then you're saying you got into the archery so that you would have. Um, oh, I went off a bit of a tangent there. But yeah, in those heavily populated areas where people are hunting a lot. And then my fourth
1: yeah. season, I went with my dad again. And this is when I learned about his hunting knowledge and whatnot. So I went way up near and went hunting with him he again didn't even come out the first day that i had seen he just like "Eh, i talked to the farmer over there you're good on his chunk and this guy owned like 80 square miles like as far as you could see up by the park kind of deal so i'm going out there i'm like i had one in my sights when i was coming home i'm telling him when i get back i'm like he was standing right beside my truck when i got back there but it was like right last late so we'll go back in the morning i'm gonna go where i seen him pretty much but Mm -hmm. i'll set you up like um mile south if you want Pull it, park the truck the next morning get out go to walk i had dropped my dad off a mile freaking north by the time i sat down where i thought this little buck was going to come back out yeah. here a gunshot meanwhile my dad had shot what would have been my first buck he yeah. had shot the buck working yeah. its way back yeah. towards my truck so <laughs> then we get back to the house and this is where i'm like so What's the next step? And I thought we were going to gut it in the field. He takes it back to the cabin, and then he has no clue. He's like, normally I'd just walk away, and the boys would do it in the shack. <laughs> <laughs> so then me and him are trying to figure this out and get it all hoisted up. He's got no hoist or no yeah. gamble or nothing, yeah. so we're makeshifting everything. Yeah. And then like, I'm re- watching YouTube videos yeah. while we're doing it Perfect. because he has no clue. When yeah. Meanwhile, I thought he had all the clues and then yeah he kept one leg i kept kept the other three and that was like our first sample of deer and then the next year was when it was like okay how how did you do the deer up
0: though like how meticulous you told me earlier how meticulous that was
1: the left since he kept the one leg and we brought back the three it was already partially quartered and we didn't we ended up at the time me and bella didn't have a deep freezer okay so we ended up keeping it at my mom's And it was, I said, see, now it was butchered by my dad and me. So I wasn't, like, too excited for that one. Okay, so that's a different story. Yeah. So then the next year, I missed completely. Didn't even go out because I was pretty disheartened. That was already three years with not seeing an animal. Fourth year, almost getting one, but then my dad shooting it. And then kind of butchering the meat. So then I sat out the fifth year. Sixth year was when I went with Devin. And Devin took me out probably, like... 15 20 times oh wow like we went wow. hard that guy uh deserves a medal yeah serious <laughs> and he was like i'm assuming he's a good buddy then yeah okay. and he'd like get your ass over here and yeah. even if i slept in and i was like i don't feel like we're not gonna see anything to be like get over here we'll still go for six hours drive me out just keep the spirits up pretty much and i remember it was november 22nd We had already searched the whole morning. I had my best morning yet because I had seen a doe with a gun in hand. Missed the shot brutally because supposedly he's like, I was going to ask you if you wanted me to like count down and shoot with you because you were like all over the place (laughs) for your first shot. I was like, oh, that might have helped. But thinking about it, it's like probably good I missed that first one because right after like three hours later came into the next field saw a buck run across it was like a farm field like a quad trail kind of deal mm. not an actual gravel road so we hopped out there i kind of walked further down the road all of a sudden it sounded like a semi like two semi trucks hitting right beside me but it was the two bucks just going at no it like way. probably like 25 yards away that's pretty oh, that's so wicked, it man. sounded like two semis had just collided like rattling inside my diaphragm and stuff like i could hear them inside of me almost it felt like they were so close so i like squat walked with my gun around the clearing there's just nothing there i'm like what where are they Devin walks around comes up meets up with me we're like we just heard them like they can't be that freaking far like what's going on he's like okay well it's almost like 11 at this point It's like, I'll go get the truck and stuff. We should probably warm up anyways, and then maybe we'll regroup and take off. He starts hiking back. I, like, duck behind. The field's, like, pretty wide open, an old cattle field kind of deal. Little bit of shrubbery in the one spot. I'm just walking along the edge of it. All of a sudden, I see, like, just his nose and a bit of his rack stick out of the, like, thick brush. Oh, frick. Just, like, froze on the spot, brought up the gun, and it felt like forever that he was just, like, in the sights but wouldn't give me more than just his head and rack and then he finally i saw what looked like his ass so i thought i had like kind of the quartering two oh, shot or quartering away uh it would have been quartering two kind of i thought oh, i saw his K, ass yeah. behind him All so behind i thought him. i was going to blow yeah. right through yeah and then i shot and that's when i saw the second one move behind him that yeah. was even, I feel like that was an even bigger buck in behind him because no way, they say they right the bigger one always, like the smaller one always checks and the bigger one will stay back. Well, quite often, yeah. So then the one that I shot came storming out of the brush and kind of ducked, but I noticed his one leg was like mangled mm-hmm. and he was already spraying pretty good. Yeah. But this was my first deer shot ever, so I was still like... What the fuck's going on? <laughs> so I'm like, I got to get another shot ready. Yeah. But that dough in the morning took my, I had one dud. Like, first it started with a click. I had a oh, dud no. shot for my first shot ever. Like, well, it would have been second because yeah. I had the dough mishap, but I only had three rounds loaded. So the dough mishap, the dud, and then the third shot took him out. But at this point, I'm like, I need a follow up shot. So I'm, like, trying to sprint back to Devin in the truck to get a fourth bullet oh, at this wow. point. Get back there, and then I'm, like, shot him there. It looked like shit went down, but I am i don't know what's yeah. going on. Yeah. So we went back to where I shot him. Heard a little bit of a rustle in the background. He's, like, that's him. Walked around the brush, and he was just laying there. And he made me, Devin made me, like, watch him expire for my first deer and stuff. Yeah. And not walk away because he said if walked away at the point we might have he might have jumped and spooked yeah. so you had a bullet
0: there ready yeah you were loaded yeah, yeah.
1: and then he expired was pretty it a, soon was it a pretty good shot like was it a double lung it or? ended up it went in right by the heart and took one of his lungs dislocated his shoulder and blew out behind his shoulder so he was like demobilized and missing a complete lung so so maybe double long or maybe double lung, but lung for sure and than if it was angling diaphragm or whatever, yeah. possibly, then yeah. It blew out. It almost looked like it got caught in some of the membrane in the shoulder because it was like his shoulder was all dislocated and popped off as the bullet was coming out, kind oh, okay. of in between before the rib cage oh, so and in it was between. Probably the double meat. lung
0: then we went through both shoulders then, right?
1: And it, it came in like right here, and then yeah. So then that one and that was a big freaking took me and Devin. And even putting it on Devin's back and then using me and a pulley to pull him up to the roof of the garage. And yeah, to get a doe. So he's, it was a pretty decent year then. Yeah. Nice. For first buck ever. And yeah, it was pretty nice one to see. I think it ended up being a seven by seven with one broken time. Oh man. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I've seen the pictures. You're going to have to show me the. You have it there. Yeah. Pull them up. I
0: want to see this thing. That's a crazy story. Yeah, but so good that
1: was the first one. So then to archery, I went with Buddy this year and this is before I had this place because we got this place December and back in November, but I borrowed my dad's bow in August for this hunting season because I was sick of going out at the end of November for one week and just having to get it all done then. So this past season I grabbed the bow, then we ended up buying this place so I didn't really get a hunting season. So this will be the first hunting season.
0: Oh yeah, with the bow. Yeah, no, that'll be awesome. And hopefully all the improvements that you've done to the property will uh, work out here. I'm sure they will.
1: There's already deer using it. Yeah. Like you, you made a mock scrape and you already have bucks using it. He came two days after I set up that one mock scrape on July 2nd and he came July 4th. So Jeff Sturgis is right. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. take long at all. I think my other ones, like that's probably my fifth one I've set up now. And some of my ones, like I've got over, easily over a hundred deer have hit them already. Really? And they're just that's like wild. staples of their property already. That is Where pretty it's sweet. like you could just... Set up on that with a yeah. kid in a blind no and way. know you're gonna have activity through there. And they're all gonna
0: hit that. No, that's a good point because even like you're saying, if you're wanting to get kids into it, in Manitoba we can't bait, so we can't really yeah. use much, right? A mock scraper,
1: like- a watering hole. I doubt a CEO would say your watering hole is no a watering hole. You can't, yeah. And then no way no. of changing the grading around that an empty field without any feature versus a field with a mock scrape and a watering hole. Yeah, I'd hope you have a better chance of seeing wildlife than of empty field. Exactly. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. I'm just looking at. Oh, that is a good buck.
0: So I'm looking at a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like you said, a seven by seven. So this looks like I I don't know. I can't age deer really well, but I would say definitely three and a half for sure older. It was just a yeah, big ass body. That of deer. is deer.
1: No kidding. And then seeing like the doe this year that i dragged out of the bush was like i went to grab it like my buck and it was just like sliding around on the snow i'm like what is this i'm expecting this big thing and then to shoot a doe this year so you ended up shooting a doe then yeah i went out with my grandpa with the rifles and my cousin and got him a doe that he butchered and did all himself he just yeah. wanted somebody to go out with yeah exactly. so we got him that doe right away but that was pretty much the end of my hunting yeah. season i think i sat three times at the property the one morning i still had i think six bucks come past at the in-laws there oh wow that's but good There are like french fry little spikers yeah. and stuff and <laughs> I, I had my target way. buck at that property yeah. so that arrow wasn't even coming off the yeah. tree until i saw him that's just
0: the thing with trail cams, right? When you use trail cams and a little bit of scouting, you see what's
1: around. It's, it's hard to shoot the younger bucks, you know, when you know there's a big Yeah, and I had already the first time, August 29th this past year, I was walking into the mock scrape. There's target buck, probably 10 yards in front of me. No way. And snort wheezed me. And then spent the next three hours slowly trying to circle behind me, just grunting the whole time. No way. Letting me know he was there. That's... And just slowly trying to get downwind, but my downwind side was the front yard, Yeah, so he and couldn't he's not, get in. He didn't want to go. So into... he ended up just bedding probably like 30 yards to my east because he couldn't come to the south wow. and just sat there till I went out. And then I do my coyote howls once yeah. the sun sets and then walk back into the yard. Yeah. So I don't even know if he knew it was me or what. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, that was my only run in with him. So I was just looking That's for him pretty... again ever since. Yeah, no kidding. That's
0: pretty smart, though, how you did that, using the yard there as a kind of like a buffer zone. Eh?
1: Yeah, I only would go into that mock scrape when it was northeast winds or north winds because it would blow all my scent into their front yard. And even he tried coming out the like to the west to circle around the ones, but he's exposed, so yeah. he just steps back into the forest. And so you had no shot at him or anything. No. Then? When I was sneaking in, it I saw his ass. Snortweast looked over his shoulder at me but i was downwind and crouched down like somehow you need to get a stand in there yeah we were thinking of this season putting one earlier but i almost don't want to put one that close to the yard because i feel like that might be like yeah i ran into him that one time at supper time but i feel like he was probably up to something else there not a normal behavior to be that close to the yard just coming through running buck
0: You know, so in that way, yeah, no, that's pretty sweet that you're getting into that. So what kind of like, I know you kind of said you were fishing and you'd meet hunters, right? And so that kind of got you interested. So what's keeping you interested? Like what was it, the stories that got you into it? And then now what's keeping you? So it's kind of a two part question. What Mm -hmm. really got you thinking like, yeah, I like hunting and why do you want to keep doing it? guess what
1: really got it got me into it was i like shed hunting a lot and i like just an excuse to spend a day kind of exploring and to have a weapon in your hand and like an, an actual purpose out there just like adds to it so i guess that kind of got me into it and what keeps me like around always practicing with the bow and trying to work fishing in and life is just it would be nice to the way the world's been going goes to shit just have yeah. everything right here yeah. and be got a skill right the knowledge to because yeah. lots of those things seem like dying knowledges so oh big time dying skills so even making like the trapping and shit too is if i got the land mm-hmm. to learn tanning and hide work or even fishing jigs and stuff out of different furs and whatnot different feathers and whatnot it can all be kind of intertwined so like with bow hunting right now you're shooting your dad's compound but you did
0: make mention that you wanted to get into maybe like stick bow shooting or self like even make a self bow out of something like
1: i think that would be like end goal like old man style like just drop it like use all the aids and stuff now Tell the yeah. confidence and like a couple harvests under the belt maybe and then go really old school just for like, okay, I've started like with the most aids and I guess work it down to the least amount of aids till like, yeah, where okay. you're back to just a paper map and a wooden bow. Oh, like even go like old school with navigation. Well, i plan on harvesting in the backyard, yeah. so maybe not, but oh, okay. like just <laughs> that, yeah. that kind of idea of yeah. like use the aids as you start, okay. but get to a point where you're comfortable enough that you could do it with just a stick and string so like kind of wearing like looking the part too wearing all the wool you know kind of like old school Uh, yeah like even last year i started wearing at the end of season i was wearing those freaking like i want to make a pair of just straight leather moccasin for hunting with the bow because it is so quiet wearing, like, just sock feet in the bush. Or I was even wearing those, like, toms and bare feet. Because you can feel every little twig on the sole of your foot. Or if you're wearing a boot, you can't feel that. and You're yeah. going to break that twig. But walking around bare feet or, like, in the thinnest sole you can, you feel all that. And yeah. it's not like you need hiking boots if you're just doing a stock. Like, you're not hiking up a mountain or need the sole protection i almost like the like soft feet so that's i guess how you prefer to hunt
0: is kind of like uh spot and stalk or still hunting like walking through the woods kind of deal
1: yeah i like really observing the forest and the signs around you and kind of investigating the full story instead of just zoning in on there's a buck at the other end of this field knowing the full story of what put him at the other end of that field exactly how he got there what yeah. routing he's taking why he's taking that routing yeah what the what intricacies of it like not just the basic image and that's what bow hunting allows that it actually allows us to dig deeper yeah. Where, like
0: rifle hunting your buddy like you said at the beginning yeah just go to this fire road and just walk around and you're just walking around you have no idea why the deer are there doing what yeah. they're doing like And you become more successful actually doing what you're embarking on right now because you're going to see you're going to be way more successful than all these other guys. Yeah, well, even
1: just from the first seasons of following tracks aimlessly to knowing to stepping back and like take a day learning on how to track properly. So you're not following week old tracks of some smaller deer and break it down and. That's where if a deer goes through, I'll go check, investigate what the tracks look like at different timings of drying and whatnot, what he was munching on out in the yard. If I see him munching in the yard or whatnot, trying to learn something that's going to give you a leg up. So like being a biologist in a way. Yeah, somewhat. That's
0: That's how I've related it to people. They're like, so... Uh, you just go out and you sit there or whatever i'm like no like i i scout and all this and i try and be a biologist like i'm trying to learn why the deer is doing ultimately i'm hoping that's going to be making me more successful but i just that's what i like doing you know figuring it out having a game plan i like tree stand hunting mostly so then just figuring out how the deer are moving through the land like yeah, how I does feel, the land push them you know and, i feel
1: like soon as i get more into the elevated like i definitely see the advantages of that but it's another whole gear curve too Like all these outdoor things each presentation or avenue is pretty much its own might as well like take out a loan and a closet <laughs> <Yeah>. for each <laughs> yeah. thing you want to get into with all the gear
0: you can't do it in one one season it's yeah. multiple you have to just look at it i'm pretty close to i basically have everything i need i might Honestly, I'd like to get some better cold weather gear like Sitka or um, I guess there's a new company where they've been maybe around for a couple of years. Scree. They look good because I tried the Sitka on at heights there, the jacket and that angled zipper.
1: I just about dislocated my shoulder putting it on. <laughs> yeah, my, <laughs> I my, was my, like, uh, that's not, I want a straight zipper. My one buddy runs the full Sitka. And he likes it, but I'm just like, I can't get over the price for just a camouflage suit when I can go. I've got like my, all my different patterns of camo that I'll pick yeah. up at a liquid, liquidation place or yeah. whatever for whatever. For me, it's not so much the
0: uh, pattern. It's just that this gear has gotten so much the better. quality. The quality yeah. and it keeps you warm. Where Sitka used to be really loud. guys and it would shine like shiny reflective yeah guys would laugh oh yeah you know that and it was like noisy it wasn't good it wasn't made for the whitetail woods but there's a couple hardcore bow hunting brothers here close to wherever in manitoba i'm not going to say areas but they are big into the sitka and uh they're mennonites and they're cheap (laughs) so they aren't spending a lot of money right but they will spend money on this stuff they love it. it Because quality it and keeps them warm. So it's like, it is a lot and it's tough. I have the heater bodysuit. Have you heard of that?
1: I think so.
0: Yeah. it Basically, it's like a sleeping bag. You just zip it up. That's okay because I can wear lighter clothing. Yeah. Um, but still getting in and out of it, like when you're going to shoot a deer. I've never really had an issue, but I'm just kind of getting tired of like...
1: Yeah, I found that, myself using lots of my fish, like ice fishing layering oh, techniques. Big and then just hot paws in the glove like hand warmer and just rock that but then even getting used to the manitoba feel of like you're all like i just go rock no glove because i didn't want to get over retraining to learn the feel with a glove on just keep both hands on those hot pockets in the hand warmer and then if anything came the plan was to. but but then once that buck
0: stands behind a tree for like five minutes i've been there where my hand is like super cold even with the little gloves like i'll wear just like a little silk glove or whatever. Uh, and yeah, my hands have been frozen, but I use the same thing like that heat, uh, hand muff, you yeah. know, with the hot pockets there and that really helps out. But
1: I guess this past year being the first archery season and not much since the house didn't get really much of an archery season and really get to experience the full like cold sits. But even following Sturgis, I found myself a lot this season really picking my hunts and not blowing a hunt that's on poor winds exactly. or something saving it and then each time i did go sit i'd have at least a sighting or like a buck walk by or something
0: yeah that's awesome because so, so many guys well you can't shoot them from the couch and sturgis says well sometimes you can <laughs> because <laughs> like why why go out when the conditions are not
1: good yeah you know? that's a big thing from versus fishing you can't mm-hmm. catch them on the couch. Yeah, exactly. So that was a big mentality thing where like, well, you're never going to shoot one sitting on the couch, but then learning more of the intricacies of it. There's a lot more fish in the sea than nice bucks to go oh, shoot. That's <laughs>
0: huge. Yeah, yeah, you said it right there. And then you're just saving your hunt and you know, for the best days, that's Spartan Forge is actually going to be coming out with an app right yeah, away is here to the prediction. Yeah, with the prediction. So we'll see. Okay. From now, from when you started to now, what would you wish you would have known when you first started? Like one thing, like when you were walking around, stumbling through the woods to probably better prepared, better prepared. So more of uh kind of I'm...
1: like a gear from a gear standpoint or like mm, knowledge wise, I feel like it wasn't now there's a lot of hunting and fishing podcasts and oh, channels huge back then huge. like you you and aaron were like that's how come your video was on my feed i think yeah. it was only aaron now if you search manitoba fishing there's probably like 20 plus channels oh
0: it's, there's so many channels popping up now yeah. it's
1: huge yeah so that was a big thing where before if you search manitoba hunting there what was are you, what are you gonna find there wasn't
0: yeah there wasn't much uh yeah there's hunting is more of a niche market right not as many people do it so and fishing
1: was like that and then like uncut kind of brought that on the map and then i think that's what opened my eyes to well manitoba has more to offer than and he was so good at it too like introducing like i remember seeing the red river on one of uncuts films and being like the red river has fish in it like <laughs> yeah. what i've lived here all my life and i can yeah. just go to selkirk and catch it's like that like who would have yeah. thought that and then yeah i guess now it's it's almost like we've hit a phase two now where you see a lot of like they call them on social media like your fake huntresses and hunters oh, man. just That's- for gear that's a whole nother podcast episode. Like,
0: don't get me started on that. <laughs> like, so, there's I've seen, like, I'm seeing some people They're Yeah. They don't have a lot of experience. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong because, like, it's actually interesting
1: to talk to people necessarily that, well, and they're, why they're getting adding to the sport. But, uh, like, in the awareness level, which I wish back then, like, saying that that's pretty much accounted for the pickup is just it's become more. Like common knowledge almost. It is. It's
0: becoming a bit more mainstream, but sometimes I think like how long these people that get into it because of the, the Instagram thing or social media, whatever it is, TikTok, all those things. It's like, is, is there any, uh, standing power, long lasting power? Like how long are these, you know, you go out in the woods, like for three years, like you did three, four years, not seeing a deer. You kept doing it. Yeah. You know, there's something inside of you that you wanted to keep pursuing Deer hunting,
1: right? I think it's with all outdoor things, hunting and fishing, that accomplishment of feeling like you've actually learned enough about said animal Mm -hmm. to beat it at its own game. So same with fishing, hunting, it's all trying to at least learn what you're targeting well enough that you can set out for a day or a week. And achieve that goal, and know that you can, that you will have an opportunity, or at least see something or of that species, at least targeting. Otherwise, to me, it feels like, what have I been doing? Exactly. If I'm not at least having a learning experience. So, when you were first starting out, I just had this question
0: pop up in my head: uh, What's one of the old wives' tales that you kind of believed, or
1: that you thought, like with hunting? Like, mm-hmm. were, were there anything like any? I guess going back on how we were talking about expensive camouflage and shit, just oh, yeah. watching co-workers walk into the bush and they're like literally in their work clothes, like yeah. reflective gear, and shoot a deer and drag it back out. And that's how it's done. Like, why are you <laughs> making such a big <laughs> yeah. deal about this? Yeah. Then it's like, well, there's all aspects of it. And I guess just those guys obviously have some knowledge.
0: Well, they yeah, they, can't, have, that's they right. can't
1: do it all just by fluke. There's like different, that's where hunting oh. and fishing again there's so many different yeah. avenues and branches and depths of like how deep do you want to take it or that's true what do you believe like there's a lot of personal views in oh. hunting and fishing it's- where one guy can say like my hunts are made from my camouflage where the next guy's like I just go out in my reflective but I go to <laughs> yeah. these areas and I always seem to get yeah. a deer so and those the- guys would be
0: mostly just trying to get a deer sitting on a cut line or yeah. something where you you don't
1: need a ton of knowledge it's just hey, yes, sit but here. then they've got enough knowledge that they still do get some that's, decent deer and stuff just from that's being, right they don't just walk in to any spot they yeah. know from past years and stuff if i walk to this stump and look towards and it's got like this kind of general setup then i've probably got pretty good chances
0: no you're right you, you just can't discount them and say that they're a blower not like a good hunter i guess they just do it differently and they're taking it at a different level yeah. Not everyone, like in our break there, we we're talking about fishing and how intense you were and devoted to it, like to the details, like thinking outside the box that not many guys in Manitoba are willing to do. Like seriously, like I've fished with a decent amount of guys and you're taking it to a next level and that's like, so you can do that or you can be like just the average Joe. Go out, sit on the fire
1: road, right? (laughs) Walk around. I think it comes down to the individual and how much or yeah, on how much they want to time and brain power they want to put into it. Yeah, that's right. So I guess
0: uh moving along here to your property and where you're going with hunting. So what are your goals for this year, this upcoming bow season? Because we're in July here, season opens, I think like August 29th or somewhere around there, twenty-eighth have they
1: has it i haven't really looked into it because of the whole elk thing and stuff now
0: oh that's the first season going for elk okay that's uh, that's a big one don't give away areas because we don't want to do that here you know um there's enough elk for people who want to go out for them but so how have you been preparing for that have you been uh, watching youtube
1: videos or yeah i guess working on calling aspects some of the biology aspects because i like just the biology of each different species mm-hmm. and i find like if you go out to turkey woods white tail woods whatever species woods you've yeah. got just even in my short span i've got areas that i know have more of this species or more of that mm-hmm. species or just better habitat for said animal yeah. so i guess now it's we went scouting the other weekend and just our only real elk knowledge is from catching them on trail cams, hunting yeah. other species. So that's where we started since there's not really, again, it's like probably one of the, let's say most least broadcast of the Manitoba species. Yeah. And then it's just starting to pick up more and more. I feel like it's on the, it's really hard to find and there's kind of a, more limited species not as widespread that's right in the states and whatnot and then i look at like states you're looking for similar habitats like at least with my fishing and stuff that's what i always gone to so how do yeah. you really compare rocky habitat rocky mountain habitat to you can manitoba plains and stuff so
0: it's a uh, different, it's like a it.
1: whole different learning curve. I feel like it's a different species altogether mm-hmm. than a mountain. Like, you're not going to be watching how to glass mountain peaks for hunting in the plains. That's right. So, your buddy that you're going
0: with, you're going with a buddy, I guess. Has he hunted elk before?
1: He's even, I'd say, greener than me in the hunting fields, but more so just, I didn't even know elk was multiple people had to but it makes sense to get you out there to actually have a shot where i feel like if i was solo drawn for something as intimidating as like elk or moose solo that that is working out the motivation without somebody else to go out with you i think a lot tougher
0: in manitoba you can actually put in for the draw on your own a for archery
1: really yeah no, yeah. I did not know
0: that. Yeah, I know because you're looking at probably the uh, A rifle.
1: rifle and an archery. We did both. Yeah. So that's probably That's why. why. The rifle, to you need
0: two. Okay. Archery, you just can go on your own because oh. I've done archery on my own. But you're right. Like it is daunting. Like I remember getting drawn um, on my own, like when I was pretty brand new, like three, four years into bow hunting. And yeah, I have one guy who showed me kind of some areas for an evening, you know, and then that was it. And it was kind of daunting. It was like, I hunted a couple of days on my own, and I was like, ah, sock an uh, elk or two. And I just, it was tough, though, like, to keep going, the motivation, right? Yeah. So you got a buddy. If you're good buddies and you guys are both spurning each other on, one guy's down, the other guy's up. You know, you can encourage the
1: other I guy. I feel to... like even just getting out there with most of our haunting yeah. in Manitoba, and like, especially for elk, you're not going to backyard like White No. There. Traveling, so you're,
0: you're traveling and you're probably setting up a camp. Are you guys going to camp? Yeah, then, I'm thinking we're
1: going to do the full like uh 10 day stint, like oh, a nice weekend stay of the week, and then yeah. another weekend. But now instead of opener, I'm thinking we might plan it out more for the full moon of September after we're let, done. This, I'll kind of give you my thoughts. I'm not
0: a professional, but I'm not going to give them away here for free, so I'm definitely <laughs> just, interested <yeah>. in here <laughs> Yeah, just kind of like, yeah, opener. Well, whatever, there's. Benefits to everything, right? Opener, you're getting uh, the, the old, least oh, amount of pressure. The least amount of pressure. Sometimes they're on, sometimes they're not. You go later. They've been bugled at, and all this stuff, run around.
1: But yeah, fair enough. That's fair the thing enough. with all hunting and fishing. It's always nice to have different points of view because you can be really locked into one mindset, and oh. it can be really hard to even like research your way out of that mindset. Oh,
0: I've been in some deep mindsets where you know you don't really budge you got buddies who are telling you, oh, you don't have to do it this way. They don't hunt the same kind of terrain. No, I'm doing it because this is what they said out here in some publication. Because now they have an authority voice, right? They're they're published. They're on a video. But then my buddy, he's like, no, you just do it this way. And he's shooting good animals every year. I'm like, I don't know, this guy. But he knows because he's hunting the exact same terrain. So it's like hunting big woods whitetails. I got into that. And all the rage right now is this mobile hunting, right? Being mobile, being mobile, which is good in your situation, like in a farmland, uh, being a bit more mobile, keeping the, the deer on edge, you know, like, so you're catching them by surprise. But in a big woods, when the deer population's low, I'm seeing more and more. Sometimes you ha- have to hop around until you find that good spot. Yeah. Right. And I did that last year a little bit, but hopping around.
1: But there's so much less used to any kind of exactly. out of the ordinary movement through exactly. that forest. And so that buck can't
0: be. might only come through that area you're sitting once a week. So if you're hopping around and you're not sitting there,
1: Then you just blew him till the next week, and who knows if he's even gonna check it that week because he might be spooked out of that zone for the rest of the season since he's not used to seeing people that far back in there.
0: Exactly, and that's what I was realizing was like, okay, so these areas that are really good in Big Woods are few and far between, but there are some like amazing spots, and I did find one that was amazing. I ended up shooting my buck there last year, 140 inch. You saw the pictures there. Beautiful deer, you know. There was a bigger one the day or two days before that i had at 35 yards like so it's like it's a great spot but, but it's yeah you still have to hunt it properly and but it
1: probably should... took you freaking years to find well, that took caliber a couple of years. Spot. Yeah.
0: oh well yeah exactly that's a whole another episode there too how i ended up my journey there but um yeah so i guess guess your goal hey man you're trying to shoot an elk this year with the bow yeah in manitoba which is crazy success then... rate is like 10 percent
1: yeah, and then okay. have something to come back to, possibly. What would, I guess, be the end goal of my experiments with the habitat with, with this season? With the white tails. Yeah. And are you looking for
0: any buck? Are you thinking mature, like, uh, three and a half, four and a half? Are you
1: looking age? Are you looking at score? What are you looking there? I think I'd take just to get the, like, fresh, like, to, I don't even know, can lost for words for, like, just to get it off my chest probably put an arrow through a doe and then but if like a mature like I feel like for me to shoot it it'll have to be bigger than my first buck I feel like in my head and know, what did you say that buck was over 130 right it was 134 or something 134 and an eighth so. well wow. for an archery buck that's pretty good
0: that's Pope and Young Pope and Young's 125
1: so I guess my goal would be to my first harvest maybe for a buck with the bow on my own land would have to be in that Pope and rum. Well, yeah. I would agree with that because like my son
0: there, Noah, he wanted on the first episode of this podcast, he was telling me, well, I knew it before, but he didn't want to shoot a fork horn or a spike and he had opportunities, multiple.
1: Yeah. Like I, I had a couple this past season yeah. of the forks and the I smaller know. and just little baskets, but it's like you could turn into bigger than my buck so and it's private now so i feel like that's different than when i was public and happened to get a 134 versus now it's private if he's 130 and i shoot him i'm gonna feel a lot worse than if he was on public and 130 and i shot him but then you can get old deer that are like seven eight years old that are like 120. Yeah. And if, if I knew he was like that one that's on the property this year, that's all grayed out and looks antique. If he comes (laughs) by and looks that antique, then he'll probably get an arrow. And even if he's not bigger than one I'd feel pretty good about at least sticking to my plan of having, I guess my game plan for the land is to kind of have mature animals and not be picking off those forks before I know what they can turn into. But if he's that old, then I feel like I kind of know, or I might have missed his prime already, so I don't feel as bad shooting him. So it sounds like you want to kind of shoot, get the monkey off your back, I guess. Yeah.
0: And shoot something with your bow, get a first bow kill. That's awesome. I think that's In the yard. In the yard, yeah. Well,
1: in general, I haven't shot anything with the
0: bow yet. On (laughs) your property that you've developed. That's pretty awesome. And then if for your buck tag, sounds like a mature buck is what you're after,
1: which is... Awesome. Either target buck or I'm hoping something bigger will come oh, through my could, yard because the, the target rut, bucks only five miles away. Yeah. During the rut,
0: like on this area, it's a good area. I've hunted
1: close to this area. Like I was saying, and there's big deer all okay. in here. So, and some of the sheds coming out of the, yeah. the spring have been pretty nutty. so there's exactly, some big deer that hang out in the around oh, and yeah. whatnot. You keep the does happy here,
0: and you're gonna have a decent hunt, at least in the rut. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on here. I know. No problem. Thank
1: you for having me, and thanks for swinging by to fling some arrows. Yeah, that's awesome. You're doing great. Really appreciate it, man. You're doing great out there. Like
0: we were stacking arrow for time there, arrow for arrow. You know, like you're shooting right with me. I've been doing this twenty years. My (laughs) second time shooting forty yards. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, (laughs) okay, this guy's, uh, yeah, he's a student of the game. That's good. So I'd love to have you on after you're done uh, the hunting season, you know, see how everything went, the elk hunt,
1: you know. Definitely have to management. get out for a fish sometime. Yeah, or absolutely. Or come maybe Come that... shoot some turkeys with, yeah. I mean, some rabbits and squirrels with Noah yeah. or something yeah. or chickens and shit yeah. all over the
0: property. So. Yeah, exactly. Got my youngest son there too, Asher, he's 7 you He'd love to try and, blast and stop some it. squirrels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has a little bow actually. He has a little yeah. compound and a little recurve, so... That would be awesome. When we we're camping there, he was making his own bows and arrows and stone points on there too, and he's oh, like wow, that's stocking up. Awesome, but the kicker there is he got full of poison, poison ivy. Oh, man, there's <laughs> yeah. so much this year, it's yeah. ridiculous. So it's like he's like, I'm never going camping again. But I'm like, eh, you, you want to
1: go? You're an outdoorsy guy. Just we'll get him chasing rabbits in the winter when yeah. there's no poison exactly. ivy, and he can just go all day. Okay. Well, some of those hairs yeah. will probably be the same size as him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: there's some big <laughs> ones out there, eh? Well, really appreciate it, Josh, and uh, I guess we'll talk to
1: you again soon. Talk to you on the next one. Yeah, sounds good.